It's the final word, World Cup Daily Day 38, I'm pretty sure. The early game at Pune, which was between Australia and Bangladesh. I'm Adam Collins, Cam Ponsonby's with me. We're here for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. I should get that right now. They're only doing it for about <laughs> six months. Cam, uh, tell us about the, uh, the game that was in 30 seconds. Uh, what well, could have been for Bangladesh, but what was a very professional victory for Australia. Bangladesh got themselves up to 170 for two around mm. the 27 over mark and only managed to get... 306-7 from there on in. Uh, it was a fantastic batting wicket, as proven by Mitchell Marsh, who guided the chase from start to finish. 177, not out, aided by a half-century from David Warner, an unbeaten half-century from Steve Smith. They cruised home by eight wickets with about 7,000 balls to spare. Uh, what a win for the Aussies. Yeah, it was about 7,000 balls, wasn't it? Marsh, 177, not from 132. Nine sixes, and Smith... A 63 not out from 64 four-fours and a six. So Labuschagne didn't need to bat. We might come back to the smith Labuschagne uh, stoush in our conversation. Bangladesh only getting 306 because they only managed to get 65 together uh, in the final 10 overs. And part of that's Australia bowling well. Sean Abbott especially in the side for his first run in this World Cup and did a good job picking up two for 60. And I think more of it though, and I'm kind of stealing Ricky Ponting's point from television here, is that oh, all of these players got starts. You look at the top seven, um, Everybody uh, between um, the score 21 and 74, so more than a start uh, in the latter's case. But yeah, that, that none of them were on 100, or you know, or, or even on 60 or 70 or whatever yeah. it is to, to be able to do maximum damage in in the back 10, which meant Australia had, if you like, some momentum going into it. And even after losing uh, head early, they were able to recover that and, and do as they pleased. Yeah, and I think going back to all I can ever think about when watching Australia and. Manish Labashain, as we'll speak about him more later, um, is he's just the coach's dream. Like that, that inning's kind of turned on its head a little bit with two runouts affected yeah. by uh, Manish and this kind of idea of like, well, if you can't contribute bat battle ball, do your work in the field. And he genuinely did. They he inflicted two, two direct, one direct hit run out, but yeah. the one that wasn't a direct hit was almost all the more impressive. And it meant that um, Bangladesh only inverted commas got themselves up to a 300. And when you could saw, saw the kind of how, I, I can never quite get my head around how powerful a player Mitchell Marsh is. Mm. He kind of he drops his bat on the ball, but it's like a kind of like a granite bat, basically, and it kind of flies away. I always think of those like um, I looked it up. It's called like a steam hammer, where it's like you lift it up and he just drops and like hammers something down really powerfully. And I always think of that when I'm watching Mitchell Marsh bat because I can't quite get my head around where he generates his power from because it just comes to him with such ease and. If you look at that Australian side at the moment, they have top three in Head, Warner and Mitchell Marsh as such a power, powerhouse. And um, yeah, maybe I'm looking for silver linings to where India might fall down, but that could be one of them. The Steam Hammer. That'd be quite a the good nickname. There was an Australian cricketer many years ago who was known as the Ram Raider, um, but oh, for yeah? different reasons. But the, the, the Steam <laughs> Hammer, um, it sounds like a good one to me. Yeah, so um, Marsh... Uh, after missing a game two games ago, he spoke beautifully about his pop who passed away and he missed that game. I can't remember who he missed. It was uh, England, England, which yep. in hindsight um, it seems like a walk in the park for them. It didn't look so uh, when they when they released the fixtures uh, three months ago. Um, but yeah, back in the side, um, looked like he was going to make runs against Afghanistan before getting out and has been such an important cog in the Aussie wheel. Like 
starting the tournament opening before Head got here, yeah. or got to India rather, the half century against Sri Lanka in an absolute must-win game. You know They've got on a roll, seven on the trot. They're the informed team with India going into the semi-final stage of the tournament. But um, if they drop that game against Sri Lanka, then none of this is possible. And Marsh was a big part of that story. The big hundred, big opening stand against Pakistan, which in a way felt like it was must-win too because where Pakistan was sitting on the table at that particular juncture. Uh, and now... Um, having made this massive 100, his second World Cup ton, drawing level with his old man, Jeff, who made two back in 1987, uh, where Australia won the tournament in India, if you like these types of things. It is. Uh, Mitchell Marsh's career is, is, is very interesting because he kind of he's obviously a player of such ability and he has there were quotes a, a couple of years ago when he was making his way back into the squad so when he was netting it I think it was Glenn Maxwell said something like he's hitting the ball better than anyone I've ever seen <laughs> and like, what a ludicrous statement that is from another like a fellow professional who see these people who see people in the nets every day of their lives yeah. and he's like this is the best I've ever seen anyone hit a cricket ball and he's obviously had so much kind of he has the pressure of his, the kind of family name going alongside him. he's following yeah. in his brother like Sean's footsteps as well and having had so many of these opportunities and his having numbers which aren't particularly impressive in the grand scheme of things, you kind of go, okay, he's 31, 32. Kind of has his has his time gone? Is he going to be the, this player where people go, oh, what player he could have been? And now all of a sudden he's finding his kind of feet in, in multiple formats. He's the captain of the T20 side. He is now this kind of leading figure in the ODI side and he's forced his way back into the test side. Mm. All of a sudden you can see a world where over the next two or three years he is one of these kind of first names on an Aussie team sheet and that didn't necessarily seem like a future that was that likely all but all of six to 12 months ago yeah you're right he's the, the incumbent number six for Australia in test cricket and um, there'll be a conversation about that before the Aussie summer but performances like this reinforce the point that he's very much a senior player he, he was made vice captain of the Aussie test team back in 2018 after the sandpaper saga and the only, <laughs> only reason I raised that, that the only reason I raised that is that they've always thought of him as a leader he's yeah. clearly the next captain of this one day side I doubt Pat Cummins will yeah. ever play one day international again after the, um, the semi-final and or final here um, so that'll be um, the next thing for him doing it as he did today with Smith so let's come to that so Labuschagne plays his role um, in the field. Um, I said this after the New Zealand game uh, a couple of weeks ago. I pondered aloud on Twitter, as one does, um, whether if you were picking between the two of them, whether you might land on Labuschagne purely down to the fact yeah. that he is capable of creating a wicket in the field. And I'm not saying Smith's a bad fielder, Christ. I mean, Smith's one of Australia's great slippers. Um, his ability to take diving catches is up there with the all-time greats. If not, you know, he is an all-time great, right, um, in that position. But in limited overs cricket, um, what Labuschagne can do sweeping and how accurate his throwing arm is, both inside the ring and, and out in the deep, I do think it's a factor. I mean, you don't pick a team based on your fielding ability. Yep. But if it were, let's say this, if it were a tie-break situation, and I know Smith batted well today, put on 175 with Marsh, where he was the junior partner, did his job, went on a run a ball, finished the game with a boundary, and so on. Um, but, yeah, their numbers across the tournament are basically identical. Yeah. I don't know. Is that allowed to be an answer? I, I, yep. I, I don't know what Australia going to do. I think the fact that Smith did bat four today and Labuschagne was down at five does speak to like the kind of ingrained seniority rankings. Like, I'd be mm -hmm. shocked if it's a hell of a call to leave out Steve Smith because he's Steve Smith. And I know that's not how you're meant to make selection decisions, but we're all kidding ourselves if, they, if like a reputation and like a player's calibre doesn't come into it necessarily. Yeah. But it is, um, we were speaking about it before we started recording. Like, Labuschagne has gone from being not in the squad, being down to captain the A side, yeah. to playing Every single group game, I'm, I'm convinced every single game um, of this World Cup, there's been some type of selection thing where it's like, oh, Labuschagne won't play that game, then, then someone falls over, someone falls off a golf cart, someone gets a vertigo. There's all these kind of anomalous events happening at the same time, which meant, that means that 
Labuschagne is one of only four players, along with Zampa, Cummins, and Warner, to have played all of the nine group games. And then to get the boot, one <laughs> for the semi-final. I mean, it's, it would be a, a tough gig, but someone's going to have to miss out. Yeah, there is another way of doing this, and yeah, I think Dan Cherney, our colleague from News Corp, put this up um, the other day on Twitter. It'll be now 17 one-day internationals he's played on the trot since the point when he was left out of the World Cup 18. Not even the 15, the 18. Got in the 15 because they thought they'll take the spare bat instead of Ashton Agar, and then, yeah, played every game in the group stage, averaged 36, couple of half centuries, and um, been so good in the field, and yeah, the, the, there is another way, uh, and that is Marcus Stoinis. Um, yeah. If they wish to go into a semi-final um, with a bowling line lineup that has four frontliners plus Maxwell slash Mitch Marsh. Now, Mitch Marsh went for runs today. He conceded 50-odd across his yeah, four overs. 48 or four. 48 <laughs> or four. So, I mean, and I'm not saying that Marsh can't do, do a job. Calcutta, likely to spin. Maxwell's bowled brilliantly through this tournament. He'll come back into the side, of course, arresting him after the heroics a few nights ago today. No need putting any extra stress on his back and hamstrings and so on. So, provided Maxwell's fit and good to go, which he will be on Thursday for the semi at Eden Gardens, they could feasibly say, yeah, Stoinis all-round uh, value to the side at, at number six or number seven, but um, of, of greater value is stabilising our top four, having an extra anchor in there and trusting Maxwell and possibly Mitchell Marsh to get through 10, and that might be enough. I mean, it's a bit risky because if one bowler goes down, then they're going to have to get a lot more out of Mitchell Marsh, but um, that, that might be another way they can do, they can do this. I think if, we, if we're going to then tie up to the opposition of who they're playing in South Africa. South Africa are this kind of massive risk-reward team. I think you probably do want... You want the strongest bowling attack you can have because of how powerful that top six is. Yep. And because of how powerful South Africa's top six is, you probably also want the more volatile batter in your own lineup because there's a chance... You're either going to be chasing 150 or 350, yeah. basically. So yeah. if you're chasing 150, it doesn't matter if you've got Marcus Stoinis and you don't have the stabilising factors. But if you're chasing 350 and above, it does matter if you have the two kind of like rotating players in the middle. I think there's often, and people, there was a conversation with South Africa about this after Fefliqueo got them over the line yesterday of whether they could bring in that extra all-rounder for the semi-finals to shore up that batting lineup. I think often there can be, um, when you're making decisions like this after group stage, after you follow a process for a one-off match, it can be like, you dress up as a brave decision, a brave decision but actually it's a kind of act of cowardice basically it's an act of shitting yourself going oh my god this is really important now we, we, we should change I think if Australia were to move from the setup they've had where they believe the best balance to get themselves to a World Cup semi-final and over the last years has been to have Marcus Stoinis to have that balance of all-rounders if they changed from that now yes they'd say we thought this was the best way to make an 11 for this match and to win this game but actually I think that would be an act of kind of diverting from what you've believed in and I don't think that's necessarily the, the brave call and the other thing is you can have um, Lava Shane on the field for the full 50 overs because they always find a way don't they, they even when Absolutely. fielding first they I remember Jadeja in, in 2019 Absolutely. had more touches than anyone in the comp and he only played two games I think or something like that so there is a way of engineering it um, but um, but it isn't without some risk either. So that's the decision for the selectors to make. Australia finished third, by the way. That doesn't really mean anything because of the yeah. multiple super overs, but it might if it does rain both days in Calcutta. It is, and the forecast isn't great, and South yeah. Africa in that scenario would go through because their net run rate was better by, in the end, about 0.4. And considering the, the head start South Africa got 
on that run rate and how in the whole Australia was. They've done a pretty good job to drag it back. Yeah, I don't know what point four means. I know this has kind of become a thing where I just I, I, maybe I should just learn. Right, it's like one, I've got a mate of mine has been gone out of a Spanish girl for seven years and just doesn't know how to speak any <laughs> Spanish. And it was funny once, and now it's like, mate, like, come on. And I'm going to sit here and chat about cricket. I should probably get my head around that run rate. Um, no, we, yeah. Jeff and I have never bothered to learn it, but Perfect. it sounds That's like a I small need. number, right? Point four doesn't feel. It's like not one. It's not, yeah. It's not a whole number. If it's not a whole number, then it can't mean that much. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a very unlikely scenario. We, you basically have to get 70 overs of cricket in across two days. There is rain cast forecast, rain forecast for those two days yeah. across Calcutta. And it's a thing. It'll be where, 40 overs, won't it? Because 20 overs to constitute a game. But I don't know. I don't know. That's one, one thing I don't know is if you have to get up to 50 overs, if you've got all that time, whether you lose right. overs from both innings oh, or wherever it like comes back. Yeah. But the idea is you, you pick up on the second day where you left off from the first day. It's not like a, a reset case. Like what happened to England in 99 uh, when India knocked them out um, across a two day what became yeah. like um, the elimination final. Exactly that. Way. Oh, and, and a semi final in 19. Two days. Play yeah. Saturday and Saturday. Australian cricket. Easy. Two That's days the future. Overs. Yeah. I, had, I don't know why they don't play two-day cricket in England. Yeah, he's trying to get people, there's no way you're getting people to commit. There's so many stag do's that happen over the summer. People have stag do's in Australia. No, they don't. I know that's for a fact. You know what they do? No one gets married. In, if you play cricket, you're, yeah. you're not allowed to get married in the, in the like, early summer. Ev- oh, not it's ever. It's kind of like hard and fast. Okay, but you are allowed to get married season, eventually. In footy season, carefully. Okay, cool. There are that's like four fine. dates in the calendar where it's allowable to get married in Australia. Like Good Friday's a good day for it. No footy on in the cricket season then. A teammate of mine next year has invited me to a stag do and his wedding both Saturdays. in a season Saturdays as well I don't like him that much we got married on a Tuesday a day before the Lord's Test there's, there's other ways exactly. of doing this sensible know, thinker working around it so um, what else yeah just just on Smith by the way like um, having missed the previous game with Vertigo which is an odd thing to miss for um, the way that played out perhaps under race and documented all of this on Twitter um, it, it was yeah, low key important that he came back into the side and, and yeah. made a contribution as it was for Marsh who looked okay the other night before getting out but you know another dominant performance it's like in, if you're doing it in trend lines, we went into this a bit with New Zealand and Sri Lanka two days ago when we were speaking, Cam. Like Australia are going into the semi-finals as the other form team. Yeah. New Zealand aren't, I wouldn't say. Um, They've won one of their last five. One of their last five. South Africa have tapered off a bit. They got pumped on Sunday by India and were, I think, unconvincing against Af- Afghanistan yesterday in a couple of different departments, although they did get the job done with a couple of overs to spare. So, um, yeah, they might have finished third, but... Um, if you were if you were um, saying who is the side more likely to win at Eden Gardens, I actually think it's Australia. No, I think you can make a very strong case now to where you could write it all down. You could work out what Australia's strengths are, and you can go, well, of course they're performing very well. They've got an incredibly strong top three. They've got the famous fast bowling trio still, and they've now and they've still and they've got an elite wrist spinner. Yeah. Adam Zampa's having like a, a great, a genuinely great World Cup. He's taken twenty three wickets at. 18.9. Which means he's got, that's the same number of wickets that uh, Marilli took in 2007, the most ever in a World Cup. And we often talk of those two players in the same breath. There's People are always saying that. Adam Zampa, Matai Marilli's in a pod. I found it really interesting. He again had a very uh, strong showing today, he was very economical, but I found it really interesting when he had a great showing against England and the way he spoke about it, because mm. I think he took two or three for 20 odd and didn't go for a boundary. And he was talking about what, how he considers a successful performance because if you are a spinner in the modern game there are going to be days where you go for 113 in an ODI like yep. he did earlier this year um, and so he was talking about his control of length and how that's what really mattered to him and how he left it as, as satisfied with the bowling performance as he'd ever been basically so he's releasing the ball exactly as he wants to be at the right time 
how much this anecdote is worth, I don't really know, but I remember I've always remembered it and found it interesting. I've got two good friends of mine played against Zampa in club cricket mm-hmm. how, how long ago, and they both said this the exact same thing independently. They both went, they faced his leggy, and they went, yeah, cool, like very good leggy, but whatever. And they faced his wrong, and they both went, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Like, I, I don't recognize the shapes, the sounds, whatever that is coming down at me. And I've always thought that was quite a good indicator of the career that Zampa's gone on to have, and that he's become this white ball specialist elite player where you are having to attack him and people find it very difficult to attack him because he has that, that those kind of variations and what's the cliche the stumps are always in play stumps are always in play with stumps Adam. Are always in play with Adam Zampa just want to quickly uh, recap on Bangladesh we did this yesterday with Afghanistan and the day before with Sri Lanka it being uh, Bangladesh's final game the major disappointment along with England I think uh, in the 2023 World Cup they had a pretty good World Cup Super League the expectation was that in conditions that are fairly similar to home for them um, that they were um, going to be a chance to make a semi-final in the end they win two games the first of which was against Afghanistan which now seems like a great outlier I can't believe they um, beat Afghanistan based on what we now know and they uh, got the better of Sri Lanka after the controversy uh, on Monday. By the way, the MCC put out a great statement today on, yep. the, um, on the timed out. I, I strongly recommend it. It, it, it goes to um, the minute 54 thing that's now the, the accepted wisdom of um, when Matthews, uh, well, when the wicket fell until Matthews' strap went, it was a minute 54. The ICC, uh, rather the MCC is saying, well, hang on, was he ready? Was he going to be ready to face the ball within six seconds? Clearly not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's worth reading, even if you, um, even if it is now a bit um, after the Lord Mayor show, so to speak. So the, yeah, the, 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 the Bangladesh campaign, um, they, they will still probably finish eighth, so they'll make the Champions Trophy. Shakib was the Lads. first one to put this on the radar. Um, I think we know that Shanto is their next captain. Got out today. Uh, that was the run out, uh, the first of the two runouts from Labashain. But you know, you can see there's something there. I'm 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 big on Tanzat Hassan. I think he's going to be a real player. I, I know he only played like three or four one days before the World Cup, but there's been enough. He made 36 today, caught and bowled by Abbott, who was good too. You know, yep. Abbott won't make the semi-final. They'll bring Stark back, but if one of them trot on a cricket ball, great person to have there. Lytton Das, we've seen his all-round class in the last couple of years. Likewise, Shanto, who's been a revelation um, across all three formats now. Uh, Mamadula and uh, Mushfika played their final World Cup games today. A nod to both of them. They have been. Amazing servants to Bangladesh cricket, but you know, Shakib missing today. He went back injured after the the game on Monday. It feels like uh, Hurudoy as well, who made yeah. seventy four and top scored for them. Then played with Panache and played with style. You know, a few leg flicks and so on. It th- there is something going on there. Mahedi uh, Hassan is only twenty four years of age. I think he's captained this Bangladesh side occasionally in the last twelve months. They're going to have to start again. Um, you know, and I guess the beauty of uh, World Cup cycles is it's a good time to draw a line under. Um, Aside's poor performance, and they can do that. I think there's something there, um, but the shame is that they didn't click often enough in this tournament, especially with the bat. Yeah, and it, it, it's a very volatile period of Bangladesh. That so much of their backroom staff are either kind of their contracts are up and they're either going. So Alan Donald's going. That yeah. the head coach came in about nine months ago and said at the time he was like, "This is not enough time to prepare for a World Cup. My job starts at the end of the World Cup." Which, I mean, yeah. It feels like you're giving yourself an insurance policy. Maybe that. I think that's what I'd say. Good PR. Like, yeah, exactly. Like under promise, over deliver. Then yeah. if you do well in the World Cup, you go well. I am very, very good at my job, basically. Yeah. Um, and so I don't really know necessarily what is next. They've had Tamim Iqbal go. Uh, Shakib said he wants to basically. He's eyed up the 2025 Champions Trophy. I think they just. I'd love to say that there's some element of structure and there's a plan. 
if there is, I'm sure there is in the kind of powers that be. I don't necessarily know what it will be other than let's just keep playing cricket. I don't think you just sack off Mamadullah and Mushfika because I, I'm of the opinion you just keep playing, basically, if, yeah. if, if you are good enough. In the same way, if you're young enough, if you're old enough, you're good enough. Good enough, you're old enough. I think that is also holds true for when you're too old as well as too young if that makes sense whenever I hear that I think of Mike Bassett um, that, that wonderful yeah. movie about the 19, the parody of the 1990 World Cup where he writes out the, the side on the back of a cigarette packet and accidentally picks no. a 42 year old Benson and another one called Hedges <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> well, now if you're good enough um, um, my point being basically they were, Bangladesh came to this World Cup and it was going to be exciting because they had not only were they had the stereotypical strengths of like oh my they're playing in India and it should suit them they also had this great pace attack which hasn't quite fired they had this great batting lineup that hasn't quite fired yeah. it's all just been kind of very much of a damp squib but they've qualified for the Champions Trophy so mission success am I right in saying that Pakistan are co-hosting that with Bangladesh I've got a feeling that Champions yeah, so Trophy yes because Pakistan have automatically qualified but is that because they're hosting or because they oh no no, no yeah, you're right Bangladesh can't be a co-host because otherwise they wouldn't have been worried about qualification in quite the same way so at least yes. it'll be a tournament in Asia they might have a couple of those senior guys hold on but yeah, I, I do think this will be a time for transition. I'm, I'm also long on Tashkan Ahmed. Like he's still quick, he's still good, right? He's yeah, just, yeah. You know, it's it's the it's the support around. But uh, I suppose they'll have time to think about that on their flight back to Dhaka. Not a long one. Uh, time for the final word: Hall of Fame. Final word, World Cup Hall of Fame is brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. Um, Cam, I've taken to not intentionally not reading the ad copy okay. before I read it out live. Um, yesterday we had um, Sheehan writing about big sacks and so on in relation to Glenn Maxwell. Sounds it ended up being a joke about Santa yeah. sitting on Santa's lap. Which oh, you can okay. do at Westfield London. Um, Sheehan Solo, that's his Twitter handle, or X wherever it is now. Um, if you can't get in through the conventional booking system, tweet Sheehan and he'll sort it out. If Wonderful. you're a final word listener, so that's a nice thing. Because it is very hard getting a spot right on Fa Father Christmas's lap for a photo. We learnt this the hard way in Melbourne last year with Winnie. We, we well, two years ago rather, could not find any shopping centre that wasn't at full capacity. Wow. So um, this is the sort of thing if you've got young kids to start thinking about now. Right, where are we? Kidzania adult, adult nights. Okay. This could go anywhere. Kidzania adult nights. Um, let your inner child run wild at Kidzania. Oh, I see. Okay. The biggest little city in town. Kidzania is an immersive role-playing experience for kids aged 4 to 14 where they can sample all the delights of capitalist society while trying their hand at more than 25 careers, including a journalist, a newsreader, a firefighter, a musician, an AC repair person, or a florist. <laughs> but why should kids have all the fun? On the 15th of December, so a bit of time, over a month, Kidzania's adult nights are back and you can come along and join the fun without all those pesky kids running around and making everything sticky. There's food, booze, a DJ and a dance floor. So when you're sick of pretending to be a doctor or an accountant, you can come down to Kidzania adult night and every time I say that I think of something else and pretend to be something else indeed. Um, keys in the bowl. Uh, earn your itchy and scratchy money and spend it on a ruler in the gift shop. Book tickets now to avoid missing out. Kids Zania is only at Westfield, London. Um, that is that is that's a that's yeah. a bloody good idea. An adult night at Kidzania. Um, consider me um, curious and interested. She and exec invited us to a sex party. Is, that, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that what's happening right now? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. He knows what he's doing. He's just had a kid. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Kidzania. Um, Google it. Kidzania at Westfield, London. Uh, more extra, less ordinary. Both them and Westfield, Stratford City. Uh, Cam, your final web moment of the day. Uh, my final word moment of the day was David Warner chipped one to mid on. Mm -hmm. um, it was caught. 
um, by as you scroll up the page, it was Shanto, the captain. And in, act, in the act of catching the ball, he holds onto it for about a second. He's definitely held it. He then goes back, and then to in the act of throwing the ball up in the air, hits himself in like the arse and drops it. No one kind of bats an eyelid at it. It's just kind of like out, basically. And I do think it's out because he did really have the ball for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite like Gibbs. And it also wasn't like the Stokes one over the summer yep. where he was off balance. And that's why his hand kind of brushed his leg on the way through, basically. Okay. He controlled the ball. He controlled the ball. But it, there was a moment where Ricky Ponting wasn't happy with it, happy with it on comms or was intrigued by it. Um, and then the moment where it kind of all wrapped up nicely is rather than it having looked at by the umpires, the umpire, fourth umpire, showed the Australian dugout, the video of it, and they all just pissed themselves laughing at like basically the expense of their old mate, David Warner, <laughs> who had just walked off and hadn't even, didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> nice one. Uh, mine's kind of umpiring adjacent as well, where um, late in the piece, uh, Marsh was down the non-strikers in about 140-odd, Smith straight drive, and Mustafiza um, nearly got a boot to it, as we later learnt when they went through the third umpire process, and Marsh would have been run out. So Marsh just starts walking off with a smile on his face, Quite assuming right. that Mustafiza's touched him, in that classic Mitch Marsh way, oh, bit of bad luck, yeah. but oh well, <laughs> had a nice time. It's been a great day out. I've enjoyed my work. Then, um, then he just, and then Mustard, she's like, oh, I'm not sure if I have. He goes, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, we better review it then. Yeah. <laughs> it's all very convivial. And at one point, Marsh had his arm around the Bangladesh fielders. And, you know, he's just a, he's just an absolute delight. And that yeah. little um, vignette or that little example summed it up for me that he just was willing to accept, oh, it's probably out. Yeah, no, yeah. all good. All good. I suppose you have that luxury when you're on 144 to be blase Correct. about your wicket. Uh, and, oh, and that moment which you brought my attention to Cam, uh, where uh, Mushfika... Now, back in 2017, when I went to Bangladesh for a couple of test matches that Australia played, uh, Mushfika, as captain, was excellent on making the case repeatedly uh, and stridently um, that Australia had treated Bangladesh poorly over the years with touring and so on and, and not having the reciprocity given to them. They got completely done over in the summer, in the winter, I think it was, of 2018, maybe 2019, can't remember now, where they were meant to play two test matches in the top end and for the umpteenth time, CA just cancelled it. They didn't even yeah. put a press release out. Right? It was it was so disrespectful to a fellow full member. This is in the pre-World Test Championship era when you can get away with that sort of shit. And today, Mushvika said to Mitch Marsh, and picked up by the stump mics, why don't you come over here for a test match? And you can imagine Marsh would be like, yeah, it's a great idea. Oh, why not? I'd love to get a Bangladesh <laughs> to play test cricket. You can, you can see how he would have been. The, the other person that was involved in that exchange in 2017 was Steve Smith, the Australian captain. He was like, I really look forward to welcoming Bangladesh to Australia. Now, I know they do have uh, in the Future Tours program a series coming up in one format or another at some stage, but um, Bangladesh said... Uh, very clearly at the 2019 World Cup, they have felt disrespected by Australia. And I know they've been beaten tonight, but I hope the relations between those countries get better because Bangladesh is a great cricketing nation. They deserve more respect uh, and they deserve um, to have Australia not only visit there, but um, in, in, in return as well. They should spend uh, time in Australia playing international cricket. And I'm glad that that came up, albeit, um, albeit on the stump mics today, Cam. Perfect. Yeah, I mean... I don't know when the last tour, Australia's last tour of Bangladesh was, and I guess that's kind of. Well, yeah, the point. they've been there. It's it's more. Well, they went to those tests in seventeen and back for white ball stuff year before last. I think it's more that Bangladesh haven't played a bilateral series in Australia. Yeah. A test series since two thousand and three. One and done. Right. 
one and done. Twenty yeah. years. Them and Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, yeah. Them and Johnny together. Wilkinson. And, and and look, they haven't toured England since 2010 either. England are just as bad. We spoke to Richard Gould about this on the final word earlier this year. And to to, to be fair to Gould, he knows this is a problem. Yeah. They've invited Zimbabwe for a test, and hopefully they follow suit with Bangladesh because you can't treat full members like shit. But they're, they're, you can't do it anymore. It's not allowable in the modern era for the bigger nations to go. Oh, we don't need them because it's in everyone's interest that international cricket continues to flourish. Absolutely. And well, when England last went over there in 2016, the, yep, that's right. the series of Zaffer and Sarah and Gareth Batty, as it's known within the, the annals of history. Great win um, as well. They won at Dhaka. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I mean. But when these nations go to these other countries who are traditionally disrespected, often the results are that much closer because we all think they're shit because, oh, when they come here, we roll them over. But that's because they're, yeah. everyone wins at home, basically. And that's so one of the best things I've ever seen in my time covering cricket was when Bangladesh beat Australia on the final day at Dhaka by like 30-odd runs. The Prime Minister was there. She was in tears. It was in Anyone that went on that tour, the players and the journos included, loved it over there. So anyway, didn't expect to go on that tangent late, but here we are. Um, that's the end of our show. The second part of today, so Jeff's got, I don't know, Jeff's got someone with him. He'll be talking yep. about England and Pakistan. Um, England are doing much better today than the last time you and I recorded on a Saturday. What do they, they make? Give us a progress score. 337 for England. Ben Stokes got 84, 89, something like that. 84. Um, and Pakistan are 63 for three in reply. So they're not going to win the game in 40 deliveries. They're not. The semi. <laughs> uh, it's David Willey's got two and Gus Atkinson's got Bubba arm. Good Willey. player. Good Dave, player. David Willey's final game for England. I wonder Absolutely. when he'll come out of retirement at some point. Let's give him another contract. Yeah, it's that... Leave it, to Jeff. Leave it to Jeff. Leave it to Jeff. And then we've got you and I doing India and the Dutch tomorrow, which is the final group game, then into the semi-finals, and you know, you know how it works. It is the final web daily, day 38, part one. Adam Collins, Cam Ponson, be for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More extra. Sorry if I ran into empty, wrote this, so you know what I meant. I had to go.